Uh, we're back with another episode of 132 Breeze Podcast. As always, this is Marlo, joined by Casey. And Casey, uh, it's been a little bit longer than normal. How how are we doing? Uh, pretty good. Happy belated Father's Day to you, Marlo, and all of our fellow dad listeners out there, fellow fans. Um, happy Father's Day. Uh, it sounds like, from our delayed podcast time, it might not have been the uh, smoothest Father's Day for you. Uh, it wasn't the smoothest for me. It wasn't the best weekend for my son. Uh, he was, got caught with a stomach bug that was, yeah, I hope you're not eating right now, but it was hard to keep stuff down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of a sudden that got transferred over to me on Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to me. But in all in all, it, it did work out. So happy, uh, happy Father's Day was, is always swell. Yeah, I did a little golfing on Saturday when I hit the links for the first time this year. And Nice. It, uh, What'd you it, shoot? It, it, it's a triple digits. Triple digits on 18, <laughs> so not great. Uh, no. I did well enough that I'd like I'd go again. You know, mm-hmm. I, it wasn't so frustrating that I'm like I give up on this for the, the rest of the year and we'll, we'll give it another go next year. Uh, had some nice shots. Had some really bad shots, but had some nice shots. Lost a few balls, uh, but it was a good time. I went with my my dad uh, and my brother, uh, nice. and then. Uh, on actual Father's Day, spent time with uh, with my wife's side of the family, celebrated there. Got home and our washing machine wasn't working, so I I you know had to fix the washing machine, which I actually was able to do. I don't want to say how um, what was wrong with it. Uh, <laughs> well, a train <laughs> yeah, was plugged. It wasn't, it was a, he wasn't plugged up. It wasn't. No, there uh, there was a, a sock stuck in the uh, drain trap, but it wasn't a big fix. <laughs> but still, as somebody who doesn't fix too many things around the house, mm-hmm. I felt a little accomplished. How, how many felt, YouTube videos to fix yeah. that? Uh, just one to see where the uh, drain trap was located. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Most of the time, I did take after my dad in one very important way is I spent a lot of time cussing at the uh, appliance and the screws and things as I couldn't get them out. So taken after my dad that way, uh, swearing at inanimate objects as I try to fix them. Um, I would say 90% of the, the time spent was trying to get the stupid screws on and off because they were like at the bottom of the <laughs> washing machine. Like yeah. underneath this like ledge, so you couldn't reach it. I had to, anyway, it was a pain in the in the pain in the butt. Um, but we got it done, uh, and hopefully no more socks get in there because I really don't want to have to do that again. Uh, but yeah, ultimate dad weekend. Say, hopefully, golf and fixing washing yeah. machines. Golf and fixing nice. appliances. There we go. Uh, nice. So we did it. Uh, unfortunately, Marlo, we didn't have much sports this weekend. We had a little no. bit that we'll talk about, but not what we've been mainly talking about since the NBA finals wrapped up early. Yeah, they did. Earlier than we, I guess, would have hoped. Uh, earlier than we I guessed. Well, yeah, earlier, the, earlier. well, not really earlier than we guessed. I, I think the the outcome from the beginning of the finals was different than what we thought. And, yes, we wanted another game, wanted a game, at least a game seven, because yeah. after this is done, what else do we have? Yeah, it's, a, it's just baseball now. <laughs> just baseball, <laughs> exactly. Baseball and uh, filler content, but we'll leave that for another week because we actually have uh, at least one last time this year. Well, and as we'll talk about a little bit, maybe basketball will uh, sustain us with more stories, but I guess we should start with Toronto. Uh, since yep. they, did, they did actually win, uh, although I feel like I just want to talk about the Warriors. Uh, <laughs> Toronto did win. Kawhi put together an amazing performance um, throughout the playoffs. Really just consistently uh, under the radar lee it's not a word 
putting together 30-plus point games. I think he averaged 34 points per game in the playoffs. Uh, just incredibly efficient uh, and effective on both ends of the floor. I don't think you can say enough about how important his performance was. And what made it really weird, I think, was that he was more or less or what seems like it will be a one-and-done player for Toronto. Yeah, but, I mean, I think good for Kawhi. His, his strategy worked out. Get away from San Antonio, win a championship, get paid, right? Um, Out there in his board, man, gets paid. Yeah, board, sure, board. During the parade. <laughs> Pro man gets paid. So, um, yeah, I think it's, man, Kawhi, what a, what a final. Like, I, we, like we talked about before, it's kind of, when you watch the game, you kind of look up and it's like, oh, Kawhi has 34 points. Where did that come from? Yeah. But then you realize, you know, as you're watching the game, he's making that big shot or getting that big rebound, um, and just it, it it was. I'm just it just so surprised. Again, I didn't think Toronto had it in him. I didn't think this was going to be. I knew Kawhi was a good basketball player, and I think we'll touch on this in a little bit. The surrounding players behind him kind of stepped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just a, a crazy performance, uh, getting Toronto win and. The fact that the O'Brien Trophy is going to be in in Toronto, I still can't wrap my head around. Yeah, in Canada. Yeah, it's it's just really weird that and maybe it was getting Kawhi that allowed them to do this. Is normally we think about uh, teams have to kind of go through the lumps, get those losses before they win a championship. Toronto just skipped all that. <laughs> they got Kawhi and they skipped all of the you know we're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals kind of thing. And that's where I was kind of looking at Milwaukee. We talked about this last week. Is it a missed opportunity? Now it feels like a huge missed opportunity. <laughs> uh, just because I thought it doesn't work like this. It uh, almost never works like this where a team kind of comes out of nowhere. Usually you have to lose that time before or you know have some sort of sustained success with uh, the, the core that is in place before yeah. you win. Uh, and I guess maybe Kawhi was a cheat code to, to pass that and, and get to the top. Um, although I think the Warriors' bad luck or whatever played a large part in that. But again, I don't want to get the Warriors yet. Uh, we talked about I, can't, I keep shaking my head at the non-Kawhi players on Toronto who have yeah. historically, even during this playoffs, uh, been very bad playoff players. Siakam's too new, so he his just kind of ascendance to be this impact player on both ends of the floor uh, was really eye-opening and something to look forward to. But Fred Van Vliet, I mean, he's he, he just won. had a baby. He, he had a kid, got superpowers. Um, <laughs> he won that game for Toronto, game six for Toronto. He had 12 fourth quarter points. Uh, just anytime it seemed like Golden State was getting close, I know they had a shot to win, but like he was the one making, granted, a relatively wide open or like Boogie Cousins on him type three. He was missing that, even into the early part of the Bucks series. And all of a sudden he... The, his son was born, and he got the superpower to actually make shots. And uh, Kyle Lowry, who uh, I think I've gone on record, I'm not a real big fan of, um, just the way he plays, um, showed up big in some of these some of these games where, in years past, he was just no showing in playoff games. And I, I just when the Bucks were playing Toronto, I kept shaking my head, going, "This won't last. This won't last." Right <laughs> for these players when. Yeah. All throughout the playoffs, I'm shaking my head. This won't last. This won't last. And I'm out. Of, I'm out of time. <laughs> yeah, I can't say it anymore. Um, uh, this is, is going to work. So, 
Yeah, I thought. Toronto, I guess. Yeah, I thought the same thing about these guys, I, especially Lowry. I, I thought I think it was a game game one when they won game one. Lowry had twenty four, or no, game two, and they lost. And Lowry had like twenty four points. I was like, well, there's a Lowry game, yep. and and no more is going to come of that. And then you know he came out, even even the games he didn't do. Uh, wasn't productive on the offensive side. He was well as far as points goes. He was yeah. he was pretty uh, a key player in uh, dishing the ball on the defensive end, even even rebounds at some point too. So, yeah. and the Van Vliet, that's I mean, well doc, just just crazy, just crazy yeah. how how that how his balls were just going in the bucket like that it, in big moments. Uh, it just seemed like every time the Warriors were coming back or took a lead or or were fighting to it, Van Vliet was like, nope, not happening. Yeah. Splash. Unbelievable. Um, really taking the sales out of him, and I, I, I honestly, I can't. Bl- I, it's hard to wrap my head that of they won all three games on the on the Warriors court. Yeah. Goodbye, Oracle Center. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, that's kind of crazy. As we go down and like, I guess transition to the Warriors a little bit. I would. There's a few things I didn't see coming. What we just talked about the role player, the role players, uh, losing at home. Yep. Warriors losing at home did not that just didn't seem fathomable, and obviously all the injuries that came down the line. Yeah, I think, and that's where I look at this, and I I kind of feel like this Toronto win is a yeah, but it's like yeah they won, <laughs> but uh, obviously Katie's injury, and I guess I'll, let's let's talk about that one first and hone in on that. Yeah, um, because it's. I don't want to NBA changing might be a little strong, but it's a significant injury. I mean, this is a significant injury that he had, blown Achilles. Um, when it happened, he missed a month. Which, holy crap, there was a month between the, <laughs> the Rocket series and the final. That is the NBA playoffs is so long; it is ridiculous. Um, and comes back is playing awesome. Uh, I and a lot of. Then obviously he blows his Achilles, uh, and I guess first the fans were cheering Marlo. And, oh, hundred percent! And uh, despite media attempts to make it seem like they weren't, um, they were cheering as as he's down on the ground. And if, look, I was already pretty strong anti-Toronto, and that kind of made me. <laughs> I went in a little rant. I was like, "Do you suppose the nice Canadians? <laughs> <laughs> They're cheering now." To be fair to them, I guess. Uh, I think they went, holy crap, we might actually win this thing. And that was the right. first time they believed it. Because Katie came back and the Warriors looked like we would have expected in the beginning of the playoffs. So I can see them kind of being excited. But just the um, the look of it was so distasteful. Uh, and then it seemed like everybody was trying to say they were like cheering for Kevin Durant. Yeah, no. Which they definitely were not. They definitely were not. And I think... I mean, you you play back the audio, you play back, you play back that moment, you play back the audio, you play back the visuals, and they're they're definitely cheering. I think what made it worse, there's one or two angles that are played in slow motion, and there's like two or three guys in kind of the front row behind the on the baseline side, yeah, and they're just they're exuberant, getting up, waving, uh, pointing and waving, like yeah. like you just said, probably just realizing we just won a championship because KD is hurt. Um, and I think that's the visual mm-hmm. that is kind of lasting for, you know, everyone. I'm sure there were a few fans that weren't like that. But I think overall, that stadium was definitely cheering for an injury um, out loud. Which, I don't know, I guess, to, to, uh, you know, play devil's advocate, 
fans are fans are fans are crazy. I, I don't think you root for injuries most of the time, but if it if it helps you out inside, you're like, yes. And they just on the outside were like, let's go. Yeah. Um. So that, I guess that's you know that's the difference there. Was it in bad taste? Absolutely. It just kind of you know it sucks to see a guy go down like that, especially after coming back. The whole would he come back? Should he come back? And then yeah, just tailing Achilles like that. Just bad luck. Yeah, and I don't know how much. Obviously, this is impossible to know, and even harder for me since I'm not like a doctor or anything. But I don't know how much. It, obviously, you, you sit here and you go, "Oh, he had a calf injury. He came back, and then this happened. Like it was a direct causation." Um, I don't know how true that is. There probably is something there, right? Um, but the fact that like the warrior, the idea, excuse me, that the warriors like didn't care or like rushed him back. Uh, obviously there was pressure on the Warriors and there's pressure on Kevin Durant as well to come back for this game. But I don't think that the Warriors thought that they were, maybe this is me being pro team, but I don't think the Warriors or Kevin Durant thought that he was at greater risks to injure himself by playing in this game. Um, because it would put them in such a strange position, right? Like yeah, you still have players on your team. You're still going to, even if Kevin Durant gets gets injured, and if it comes out or it looks like you didn't weren't concerned about his well being, you have players on your team. You have other free agents who are going to look at that and go, "I don't want to be a part of that." So it, I don't think they would risk that. Uh, obviously, this is the, the kind of worst case scenario that could happen, but um, I don't. I guess I saw some some blowback of more or less. Jay Williams came out and like was scathing against uh, the Warriors. Uh, management and I just don't s- feel that that was really appropriate, uh, or really what like that the management was like. We don't really care about Katie. We just want to win. And I mean, especially in today's day, uh, 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 where he, you know, I, it's so out there. Like the information is so out there. I, I don't know. So anyway, uh, that was a little tangent. Um, yeah, we talked about the fans cheering. I did want to bring up um, there was a tweet out there of the fans really cheering. <laughs> Um, uh, Barstool had tweeted out uh, what I thought was a pretty famous uh, gif by now where it's a, a gif of the uh, English fans. They're in a pub, right, in England. That's what yeah. call it there. Um, and they score the goal and they throw all through their beer up in the air. That became a big thing. Uh, for yeah, England. during the World Cup. During the World Cup, yeah. Uh, and uh, they... Barcelona tweeted out when KD went down and said it was Toronto fans. And the AP fact-checked him. <laughs> gave him, obviously, it was doctored. Uh, Fran, yeah. Fischil- Fran Fischilla fell for it, which was hilarious. Uh, that the Their doctored one was was real. But, I mean, fact-checking is just crazy at this point. They're fact-checking yeah. clear, clear gifts, uh, clearly There's- manipulated things. Fact-checking satire like the onion and stuff <laughs> <laughs> sometimes is hilarious uh but that yeah it's great yeah so yeah there's two conclusions you can make slow news day and this guy doesn't know the internet <laughs> and has never has never seen so this before funny. yeah because i think like i mean it's just like i remember there was one with the um with the phil collins slide in and they use this. They use this. Uh, this gif. Yeah. I was like, well, <laughs> what if they fact check that one too? It's just that's how ridiculous it would be. Yeah. Oh, the, no. The uh, Chris Collinsworth. Chris Collins. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Chris Collins sliding. Yeah. 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 Chris yeah. Collins sliding. That was a great one too. Uh, it's a great gif. It's a great gif. I can't believe that they didn't know. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk a little about Katie's future. Um, it, 
I was hearing. Well, what do you think? Do you think that this affects teams wanting to go after him? I think he'll miss no. all, ne- all next year. No. Um, I I don't either. I think teams are still going to all the same teams who were in before uh, would still you'd still want to sign this guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I again not a doctor, but I you know he's going to be out for a, a significant amount of time. Yeah. Um, there's all the data that shows that some people some players aren't the same after injury. After an Achilles injury, I should say. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, you take that risk on KD, don't you? If you know, if you're the New Yorks, if you're the uh, the Brooklyns of the world, you you know, you, I why would you not want to get one of the one of the best players? And if they come back and they're eighty five percent, it's still pretty damn good. Yeah, and I I think about KD's game and like you think about other players like Boogie Cousins, most recently, right? Who yeah. came back from that. And he's like a low post. You got to be relatively explosive there. Kevin Durant's not an explosive player, right. right? And so I think like that's what you lose in the Achilles injury. Um, and he's going to be just fine from that standpoint. I mean, I shouldn't say just fine, but like his game doesn't rely on explosiveness. So I think he'll be able to shoot his way out of it and still be a top yeah. five player right. in the NBA. He could change up his game around it too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not it's not based on explosiveness, but he's very versatile, and you can see him being able to change up his game as well uh, to still be a great player. Right, right. So to add uh, injury to injury, at the mm. end of uh, towards the end of Game Six, Clay Thompson, who was having a phenomenal game, uh, tore his ACL uh, on a, on a dunk attempt, came out and after going to the tunnel, knocked down two free throws. That was a really cool moment. Uh, but ended up having a torn ACL, was unable to return for the rest of the game. And it just seemed like, I, granted, there was very little, relatively little time left compared to the whole season, but that was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this yeah. is this is one, uh, you know, a stone too far uh, for for this Warriors team. And it just left, it, it almost seemed, I don't want to say unfair, that's not right. It left me really wanting more out of this this series out of this finals, uh, we didn't see uh, who the better team would be because uh, Katie and Clay were hurt, and you can say that it happens every year. Sure, sure, fair. But these injuries being so devastating with Achilles with an ACL, it just felt like that in the oversh- finals that overshadowed everything. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. When you you know you have, <laughs> I mean, two all stars. Um, that was the second time Clay got hurt in the series. Yep, and, you know, toward, even though it was towards the end of the clinching game. Uh, Boogie, Boogie Cousins going down in the first round. Uh, just, you know, I mean, that's a role player, but, you know, at, at every point, at, at some point, which I thought, like, you know, there was a chance that there was a chance that Warriors were going to win game six. They had a shot. Yeah. They had a chance to win that. And I yep. thought if they won this game with those circumstances, how, <laughs> how is Toronto going to look at themselves in the mirror and be like, we can win the next game yeah. after all that, you know? Well, let me tell you, there'd be, there'd be some tight sphincters in. Toronto for yeah. for that game seven. If anything went wrong, I mean, it was going to be deadly silent there. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of funny how a lot of the narratives, especially for the season, the middle season was like, oh, it's going to be the Warriors. It's going to be the Warriors and everyone else. And this is boring. NBA did. And we know the Warriors going to win. And then as soon as like injuries happen and this stuff, and I, I, I'm, I, <laughs> I can take fault of this too, but it's like, oh, well, I wish I would have sound the Warriors at full strength and really see what <laughs> yeah. they can do. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, everybody was. I, I think most neutral fans were kind of 
ready for this uh, to be over. Um, although, is it over? Uh, I don't know. But uh, it it just felt I don't know, unfulfilling the way that the way that it did. Maybe it was always meant to be that way. You did mention that. Uh, the Warriors had a shot to win Game Six. Yes, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention Steph missing another game winner. He's now 0 for eight. I think the graphic said 0 for seven before he attempted what looked like a pretty good look, especially for Steph Curry standards. Um, and I think it's got. Look, I'm, I'm in. I'm on Team Steph, right? I'm going right. to uh, defend him, and like I think he's an upper echelon player. Uh, but you look at these. Yeah, 0 for 8 on game winning. I don't know if that was in playoffs. I don't remember the exact stat, but um, that's you got to start, got to start worrying about that. Like that's <sighs> definitely some that's significant. I think no clutch gene doesn't have the clutch gene. Doesn't seem to possess the clutch gene. Can you get the clutch gene, or are you born with the clutch gene? I, I, I don't have either. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> born it. I haven't got it yet. Um, but I think that. <laughs> I think that there's something to the clutch gene in that some players are better at getting their own shot, um, and I think Clay is really good at that. But in the flow of a game, but when it's mm-hmm. the last shot, I think it's a little harder for Steph, who's six three, six two, something like that, yeah, uh, who's a smaller player, to get his own shot than a Kawhi Leonard or a LeBron James. They just have because of their size, because of their strength. And I understand that's part of being a basketball player. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm. I'm. I guess I'm making excuses, but I'm. I'm trying to say why I think it, it might be different um, for him to uh, in the clutch situations than some other players. Which again is a negative. That's a negative thing. And why I like Steph so much, and why I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves, is he makes up for the things that you kind of stereotypically think the best player should do in so many other ways. Um, and that's why I think he's so fun to watch. Uh, but the clutch part or the being able to create your own shot or, I mean, make it <laughs> when it matters, <laughs> he hasn't been able to do it. And that's, I, I, oh, for eight, that's alarming. That's, that's, I did yeah. not, I would, I did not expect that stat to come up right before he shot that. Um, shot yeah, that, that was wild. Yeah. Everyone knew it was going to go to him, but still he got a good look. It was a good, he did get it a good was look. A ri- it was a risky play when that ball was in there. I was like, holy crap. And, uh, got a good look and it just, didn't go down. I don't know. Um, all right. Moving on from talking bad about Steph. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or team Steph. Team Steph here. Um, all right. So I think the other interesting part that kind of overlooked, uh, and we've already talked about a lot about it, is uh, over, overshadowed this series was what are these teams going to look like next year? Because they could look vastly different. Kawhi could be gone from Toronto. Probably gone from Toronto, yeah, it sounds like. Most likely. Katie probably gone, although I think his injury kind of helps him. Uh, helps his chances to stay at the Warriors because he's got to sit out a year probably. So do you want to do that on the Warriors and then come back to this team or, you know, go to the Knicks and have a whole, that whole thing? Uh, I, I don't think that that'll be a deciding factor, but I think it helps it a little bit. Um, Clay is uh, a free agent, but it sounds like he's going to stay. Uh, I think they're, is Draymond Green a free agent too? I know there's some contract talk with him, but so these teams could be vastly different uh, next year, which I think is kind of overshadowed. Like I said, the tail end of this is, you know, how much t- can Toronto really enjoy Kawhi if he's gone? I mean, yeah. the championship, I guess. So you have that, but right. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> Toronto's gonna go back to being Toronto, <laughs> but they will enjoy this championship. It will be a legend. I mean, and the f- Toronto, 
this is going a little off topic, but they're gonna they're gonna love this this championship. They're mm-hmm. gonna love Kawhi forever. Uh, as we saw throughout the series, they whoever played on Toronto at any point in time, they had a ceremony for him uh, before the game. Uh, so Kawhi, Kawhi forever, forever a Raptor, no matter yep. what he does. Uh, the Warriors, yeah, KD's gone. I just said Clay's probably coming back. Steph's be back. It might be different. Warriors might be different, but it might it might be back, depending on what Clay. Like I don't know how bad the Clay's uh, ACL is. Yeah. Um, you know what kind of healer is we've seen you know people come back quicker than others on that but it could be that that it could be another free flowing fun warriors team to watch where Steph and Clay can get whatever shot they want yeah um you know we'll see but it definitely it definitely would be different will they be another you know will they be a powerhouse that you know that's really the scene it's gonna be a fun i guess fun off season to yeah. debate all that stuff yeah once everything shakes out. And, uh, you know, kind of see where we're at. But, you know, maybe I don't think everyone's going to go into the 2019-2020 season with preconceived notions who's going to be in the championship. No, and I think with uh, some of the moves that already happened, I think this is going to be the most open it's been in as far as teams who think they realistically have a shot to win the title um, as it's been in a while. And I guess one of the key players in that, Marlo, is apparently going to be the Lakers. They yeah. have finally traded for Anthony Davis. They did it. Um, wow, after, surprise. After months of courting and counter-courting <laughs> and all the ridiculousness that that was, uh, the Lakers have traded for Anthony Davis. They gave up Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and three first-round picks, including number four this year. Um, I remember I remember coming on uh, the pod after the NBA draft lottery, and yep. I was fr- I was annoyed that the Lakers got up to number four, but I was more annoyed because now they had the pieces to trade for Anthony Davis. Yeah, you called it. Um, it's it's still what I think about the randomness that it, that was. It's so frustrating. Now, would they have gotten him anyway? I still think that even with if they had the seventh pick or something. Um, or whatever they were supposed to get nine or something. I think that they still would have had the best deal. So maybe it happens anyway. But this number four pick guaranteed it. Um, it's a pretty big haul for uh, for Anthony Davis. I mean, he, yeah, he's a top five player. But can you can you win it? I guess we'll find out, right? If you can win a title with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kyle Kuzma, that's yeah, pretty well, much all they have left on their team. And move on. <laughs> Oh man, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I knew, you know, I think we all knew he was AD was gonna go to to LA. Yeah. Um, it just sucks that it's actually like for real happening. Biggest, you know, biggest. Do you feel bad for Zion Williams now? It's no, just, I, I think this is actually great for him. Do um, you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Explain. Look. Um, what I like about Zion Williamson is that he dunks, and, yes. he pa- and he passes really well. Okay, you know who else passes really well, but can't shoot Lonzo Ball. I think that they're <laughs> going to be a really fun combination to watch. Brandon Ingram, I'm not really sure what he is. He has some medical condition that uh, with clotting that it's still unclear, but it seems. I mean, I think uh, New Orleans kind of signed off on that, yeah. and whoever they get with number four this year, it could be a really cool young roster. I, I, I. Is that more fun than playing out Anthony Davis's last year trying to convince him to stay? I think it's a better situation to come into than that. 
Um, so I think it's good for Zion. Uh, I think they're going to be. I, I'm excited to watch the this team, whatever it ends up being. Um, you know, we have free agency ahead of us, but it, it's more fun, I think, from what Zion will be able to do. Although I would love yeah. to see Zion play with AD, but not a disgruntled AD. And I think that's what it would have been. Yeah. Year yeah. Again. yeah. Yeah. And now he's guaranteed to be the number one selling Pelican jersey uh, in New Orleans. There you go. He would have been. Hands down. Anyway. <laughs> but anyway. At least for the year. Maybe not over. Oh, man. All right. But so so this LeBron. Also, this LeBron, also. Okay. Early GM of the year. Yeah, we'll see. So they have. The Lakers have. Uh, 20 something million dollars there's some sort of trade exception that anthony davis can decline getting four million dollars and this would help the lakers somehow i've listened to two podcasts about this tomorrow i still don't fully understand <laughs> wait you this, listen to other podcasts that yeah Jeez. i know i know <laughs> um that's where i get all these takes uh <laughs> no uh he has a trade ex- some sort of trade thing he either gets four million dollars or he can essentially give it back to the lakers so they can spend on other free agents. Um, I don't. I can't. Why would he give back four million? Right. <laughs> he just gets. I don't understand. Uh, so there's around I think twenty three to twenty seven million dollars that they can spend. Uh, they have to fill out the team. They don't have enough uh, player. I mean, they Bodies. obviously don't have enough players to like legitimately fill out a team. But like, if you look at who would start down the stretch for him you know, in the fourth quarter and it's, you know, you're talking about Mo Wagner's out there and I don't think you're going to as good as LeBron and AD. I don't know if they can make up for the lack of depth that that team would have. So the question is, are they going to spend it on a big free agent? Um, a Kemba Walker type, if Kemba Walker will come for a little bit less money than he can get in Charlotte, or are they going to kind of spread it around and get like, um, Austin rivers or that type of, Lower salary player, Patrick Beverly, that type, yeah. of, that type of player to yeah. fill out the roster. Um, that'll be interesting to see. I don't trust the people in charge of the Lakers to fill out <laughs> the team well at all, based on the track history of uh, last year, the track record of last year. Um, though Match Johnson's not there, so Match Johnson's not there. Good or bad thing, but Rob Polinka's still there. Um, I don't know. I think they have they have to thread a needle's a bit far, but they have to do this well. Um, otherwise, they are in a lot of trouble. Again, they have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, so a lot of trouble is like what Western Conference Finals, <laughs> like, right? You know, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams that would want LeBron James and Anthony Davis on their yeah. same team. Um, so. But the rest is, and it, it, we see with these Warriors, if you're a team of a couple high uh, paid guys, and they go down, or that's what you're relying on, and you don't have the depth, it can come back and bite you. And we saw the worst part of that with. With the Warriors now, uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I don't. I don't know. You wouldn't say that they're injury prone. Anthony Davis has some kind of nagging injury history. He's missed some games, but he's not um, injury prone. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. LeBron it, coming it, off a groin. It's gonna getting t- older. Yeah, you're gonna. They're gonna have to rely a lot on those two. Um, and yeah. It, it's we'll see we'll see um obviously it's a bet they made a bet on it and i think it's a good one uh they're favorites to win the titles now at six to two um that's crazy yeah surpassing the bucks it was a fun like week where the finals ended and (laughs) the bucks were like the favorites to win uh the title for a little bit i was tweeting out the hype train gifts it was pretty fun um but now the lakers made this trade and they're the favorites so 
I don't. I wouldn't bet them to be the favorites at least until I see how this um, roster kind of fills out. Uh, but I think lost a little bit in the shuffle. Marlo is the return of your boy, Lavar Ball. Yeah, he's back, man. He's back. He's back. Saying they didn't want to go to New Orleans because it was too cold. <laughs> it's too cold. Uh, what else did he say? He was saying he's playing like four, three D chess, four D chess, where he actually wanted the Lakers to trade his son, which was hilarious. Um, yeah, he's back. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I didn't miss this guy <laughs> now that he's back in my life. And it's just, he's just everywhere in like every show. It's like they can't say no to him. I guess, I guess people tune in and I, yeah, it's just terrible. If you wanted to come on our podcast, I, I'm sure I'd, we'd be like, hell yeah, let's go, man. Let's go, LeVar. And then I would listen to our podcast and go like, God, why the hell did the have yeah. far around? Oh, that's my podcast. And I said. So, um, yeah, that's an exciting. Are you excited for the Levar Ball in New Orleans experience? Uh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think because I think LeBron had a muzzle on him uh, in L.A. Mm-hmm. and uh, he doesn't. So, uh, yeah, I think he has full reins. Even though you know, well, Levar finds a way, right? I was going to say that even though L.A. is not the media uh, center, that, I mean New Orleans is the media center that yeah. L.A. is, but Levar will find a way. He will always find a way. Yeah, I think it'll be funny when he he's gonna say how they didn't tell him to be quiet and stuff when he's now on all the podcast or on all the all the shows and he yeah. wasn't before. It's like clearly, yep. clearly I was here. Uh, so the N- NBA, I guess, gonna keep being in headlines, Marlo. We have the uh, draft coming up on Thursday already. Which where did seems, that come from? Seems soon. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't prepared uh, for it to be on Thursday, um, and I I, I guess. Looking at the eighty trade, I thought the the eighty trade was kind of the uh, or that number four pick. I thought the Lakers were going to move, so I thought that was going to be part of the, the the craziness. But do you expect there to be anything else? I don't know, unexpected or, or, or earth shattering, or have you kind of look looking ahead to the draft? I, I don't really know what is left now after the eighty trade. Yeah, eighty was the only like cookie still hanging out there. Um, I don't. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anything else to really to look forward to as far as any trades will go, free agents that will move. Um, I, you know, I guess. Um, shoot, there's uh, yeah. I guess there's still there's still some things out there that might happen, but I, nothing yeah. nothing that will change the landscape of the NBA. I should yeah. Will say, right? Yeah, I maybe think maybe some nice players move and draft picks move, but nothing to change the landscape. Yeah, from what I've read it's mainly the top it's like a three or four person draft depending on yeah. uh, on who you're talking to a couple people really like garland uh, i think he's out of vanderbilt um he played like five games so it's kind of a Kyrie irving situation where you don't really have much to go on but yeah. have a couple highlights um <clears throat> but it seems like the top three are pretty set in who they're going to pick and they seem pretty comfortable with that so i, I don't expect anything crazy to happen it seems like the number four pick is the only one that really is even almost worth uh, getting excited about if something happens. Obviously, that's now sitting in uh, New Orleans' hands. So do they move the number four pick to try to get somebody more established? Um, that's kind of the the buzz is now that they have that, that they'll get some, they could get something for that. But I don't really know what you're going to get for the number four pick. A lot of like actual realistic trades um, aren't as exciting as kind of uh, 
you would, I guess, hope if you were expecting kind of craziness, right? If you're expecting some, obviously not an all-star, but kind of the net level below, I don't even think you're going to get that for a number four pick as an established player. So who knows? It's the NBA draft. Um, anything could happen, but it seems like all anybody really cares about is the top three and a half picks. <laughs> and yeah. then from there, who who really cares? Um, but in that who really cares field, Marlo, uh-huh. has your... Chicago Bulls picking, I don't, not in the top four. I don't even remember. <laughs> Freaking A. Where? Somewhere outside of the top four. Um, and wh- who, I don't even know. Who are they rumored to take? I, I honestly, uh, I know the, the top four players. And then it's like a bunch of names, uh, that I, that I know, but I don't know the order that. So what are, what are, what's yes. the word in Chicago land? So the Bulls are picking seventh, Casey. Um, fantastic. Out of the top four, as you said. Yep. So doing a quick search, uh, <laughs> all the mock drafts. It looks yeah. like looks like they're targeting Cam Reddish. Yeah. Okay. Um, going to Bulls. So cool. So I guess I, I, get I the guess third I, the third best player on that Duke team. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't say. <laughs> yeah, Duke team. Uh, <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say that. Like it, it's a, a drop off, but like after the top four, like. The next best player could be the fifth pick, or could be like the seventeenth pick. Like you just don't know who that's going to be. Whereas you kind of feel more comfortable at the top four that they're going to be good. So I, I'm not saying that there's there won't be good players available for the Bulls to take. And I think Cam Rush is a really interesting player um, because he has flashes of being really good and athletic, and then he has times where he can't make a layup around the rim. He's a really strange. <laughs> he's a really strange player. Like, yeah, seems to have all the upside in the world. Uh, yeah, brings the nice combination of size, length, and shooting to the table, right? Yeah. Uh, so it would be a nice, you know, compliment to the marketing to Levine and uh, <laughs> Wendell Carter, but you know, we'll see. I don't even. Is that? A, I'm trying to think of this Bulls team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need a guard, right? You need guards. <laughs> Guards. I don't even know what you need. You need a lot. Oh no, yeah, we definitely need a lot. That that's 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 the underwhelming thing. You need a lot, but um, yeah. I mean, what do you do? What do you do in this? What do you do in this position? Number seven yeah. pick, like you said, a three player draft. Yeah. If no. Cam Reddish is the best you do, Cam Reddish is the best you do. No, I think yeah, I think you avoid what I just said. You need a guard. You go with best available <laughs> player and yes. probably probably most upside player. Which right. very well could be Cam Reddish because I think you want to be going. Um, if you if you, <laughs> you don't want like an average player, you either want to be really bad or really good. <laughs> so taking kind of like, hey, this guy played three. Year, I'm not thinking of anyone specific, but you know, played three years and would probably be a serviceable pro, like a Fred Van Vliet. You don't want that. Yeah. You want you yeah. want to swing for the fences or uh, be in the lottery again next year and hopefully get better ping pong balls or whatever. Right. Whatever it is. So. Um, yeah, I haven't heard anything about like the bull here. Like I talk to people, I haven't read anything <laughs> about like the bulls moving up. I don't know. I don't even know what they would what they would look like. So, um, yeah, it looks. There's like, no I, assets to give up to move up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cam Reddish, I think would. I think you could get excited. You specifically, Marlo, could get yes, excited me, me personally behind uh, behind a Cam Reddish uh, 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 draft. Uh, so there you go. That's the draft. It's on Thursday. Um, Tune in. I didn't know they did it. I, I guess it's, pro- it's obviously it was every year, but it's like right after the the finals, and I'm I always feel like I'm not really prepared for it to happen yet. And then free agency starts. 
um, right after that. So we kind of talked about that a little bit, bit earlier. But uh, a lot there are, I feel like, an unusual amount of pieces or, or players um, who are, are free agents, significant players. Um, so that it will be very interesting to see how that unfolds. And maybe that will sustain us, Marlo, through the, the doldrums of the summer months because um, we don't have bat, uh, basketball games and we don't have hockey games anymore. No, we don't. Hockey is done. Hockey is done. Our Blues, Marlo, are St. <laughs> Louis, right? Yeah, St. Louis yep, Blues. St. Louis Blues. <laughs> they did it. Uh, behind, uh, I guess, how you'd say a strong defensive performance to close it out. They really kind of put the clamps down on defense. Uh, goaltender got hot. All those hockeyisms. Standing uh, on his head. Yeah. He stood on his head. Yeah, like um, a walrus in the goal. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Blues win, uh, which I guess more importantly for our rooting interest means Boston didn't win. That's right. Uh, One on Boston's home ice makes it a little yeah. bit sweeter. So yep. we did it. We gave the curse. We did a curse, then we did a reverse curse. We tried all our angles, Marlowe, and it worked. Yeah, it worked. So let's pat ourselves on the back. Uh, for delivering the Stanley Cup to St. Louis. Uh, You're I welcome, actually, St. Louis. <laughs> I was actually pretty surprised to see uh, some St. Louis Blues fans uh, who... So when I look at St. Louis Blues, I don't think of a long-storied uh, kind of struggle of a franchise, but apparently that's what it's been. Uh, they've been in the NHL for a long time uh, and haven't won, and into my feed, my Twitter feed popped a lot of kind of long-suffering St. Louis, St. Louis Blues fans um, emotionally celebrating uh, their, their victories. And it was, it was kind of touching, Marlo. I felt in uh, like I should have been rooting for them even more than I was <laughs> seeing <laughs> see the reactions. But it, it was really neat to kind of see that come through. And uh, congratulations to the Blues fans. Uh, who were more long suffering than I had I had anticipated. Although I thought there was a stretch in like the late nineties where they were okay. Like they didn't the win yeah, yeah, they didn't win obviously, but like right, I remember no. it was like no Stanley Cups. It was like this the the when the Red Wings were good and the Avalanche were good. I thought the Blues were up there, but maybe I uh miss maybe it wasn't as uh as successful a run as I thought. Obviously no Stanley Cup. So congratulations Blues. Hockey's over. Um I think we we probably could have. It would have been hard to cover the NHL less. Let's just say that. But <laughs> 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 we did. So there we go. NHL. Uh, other things we don't cover very much. Golf, Marlo. Golf happened. Yeah. More golf. U.S. Open. Yep. It was at a what looked like a cold. And uh, for us here in uh, the central time zone, a late, yeah. um, late airing uh, U.S. Open. Uh, it was weird seeing. Uh, the golfers out there in like, you know, windbreakers and sweaters and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> as it's as it was, you know, pretty warm here. And normally, you know, when we turn on the golf, it's uh in much more uh enjoyable weather. Uh, but Pebble Beach looked very cold this week and kind of took me out of out of the viewing experience a little bit. Uh, what about Fox's take on on broadcasting golf? They have all the bells and whistles uh, out there with. Shot trackers, overhead yeah. drone views, just crazy stuff going on. And uh, yeah, I think Fox is uh, Fox doing what they kind of do this with other sports too. Just yeah. introduce things that are a little out there as far as the viewing experience. Yeah. Uh, but do you think that is? Do you think that 
is a net addition or a little too much, or do you like just a traditional traditional golf broadcast? I like some of it. I mean, you're not. I think it comes down to how you feel about Joe Buck. Yeah, <laughs> well, we all know how you feel about Joe. Well, Buck. I've come around a little bit. I think he's oh. his golf's okay. He's no Jim Nance. Let's uh, let's be honest and upset yeah. about that. Uh, the one thing I really liked was on on the putting greens. They showed how how it would break, and they showed like if uh, like uh, if they hit it, you know, uh, with more force or less force, or played played the bend a little bit more. I thought that was really interesting, um, and I could for sure use that in my golf game. No idea how to read a green. <laughs> None whatsoever. I sit there and look at it. No, no clue what's going on. So I thought that was really cool. And then you see how their ball paths along with, you know, what obviously they should have hit um, if they had this technology. So I thought that was really cool and was really neat around the green. Uh, but the flight path stuff that I, I thought it was all a positive. I, I'm all for uh, helping the view, the casual viewer like myself um, learn about it. You know, I'm not up watching. European tour on Saturday mornings or anything like a diehard golf fan would. So I, I, I don't cling to that kind of clean tradition. So it worked for me. Nice. Okay. And uh, I guess of the play, Gary Woodland won, who uh, didn't know who he was <laughs> before before the weekend, <laughs> uh, but held a uh, 54-hole lead, uh, held off a, a charge by Brooks Kepka. Um, which I think was the, uh, I, I'd say casual fan uh, because we knew who he was. Uh, mm-hmm. He's on quite one hell of a run, though, Marlon Brooks. Yeah, he is. is. Uh, in his last six majors, he's finished first, 39th, first, second, first, and second. So that's a pretty good run. Uh, this would have been his third U.S. Open. I think a lot of uh, us casual fans were rooting for that, but it was still enjoyable. That Golf's so weird in that, like, usually no matter what happens, <laughs> you're like, Oh, that's cool. That's a good story. Like he can feel good about it unless Tiger loses. Uh, but <laughs> for the most part, like you can convince yourself and be fine with it because you're not really rooting against anybody or necessarily for somebody. Like, yeah, most people would rather have kept go win, but it was a cool story that Gary Woodland won. Uh, so, so there you go. Um, as golf, and I, I was into it, Marlo. I was into it. Uh, you're all in on Sunday. I was I was in the golf mood, golfing on Saturday. Yeah, I yeah. Was, I was all about it. Um, and it was nice that it was later. I enjoyed that. Um, you did enjoy time. that it was later. I did. I think this one time. Okay. This one time. I wouldn't do all it right. all the time, but it was nice being later. Uh, just because I had, you know, like we mentioned earlier, Father's Day thing. So I was able to get home and, and watch it uh, since we were in between the pod and tune into that. So unfortunately, we won't have the new segment that we've done one of the last two weeks <laughs> of me watching Major League uh, Sunday ESPN, Night Baseball. Sunday Night Baseball because I watched the golf instead. <laughs> and then we weren't doing the podcast, so I, I didn't want to watch the Cubs on national television again. Cause that again. Um, but there was other baseball, Marlo. Yes. Uh, and I guess we'll lead with the achievement that the White Sox made during the week. Is it still they, happening? I don't even know. They hit 500. They did it. They did it. Cool 500, <laughs> which, I don't know, stat of the week. There hasn't been 500 since I don't know when. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's cool. They they have since lost two games, Marlo. Though. Yeah, well, you know what? They hit 500 since the last time we talked, so yeah. time to celebrate. Yeah, it was uh, it was funny uh, seeing White Sox fans be very excited about hitting 500 and being like, it's been a long road. We are celebrating this. We are excited. Um, yeah, it seems like fun things happening down uh, in on the south side. At least it seems like a fun team to follow because – 
there are below speaking as a, a Brewers fan of you know not maybe not recent but you know relatively recent years past there are fun 500 teams to follow and there are not fun 500 teams to follow, <laughs> or below yes. 500 teams that is and the, these White Sox you know with their bat flips and their their youth seem like uh, they have been relatively fun to follow yeah they're making it they're they're making a stride to actually be to be a baseball team so that's exciting always uh it's exciting when you see them moving forward um, so hopefully there's that incremental step. I know it's just, you know, 500 in, in the middle of a baseball season, but yeah. uh, making making those strides, becoming a constant winning team uh, is a good thing to see. For sure. Uh, on my end, Marlo, the Brewers are in the midst of a West Coast swing, as they call it. Uh, split a series against Houston and then dropped two or three against San Francisco. Again, it looked really cold in San Francisco. <clears throat> during the games and now are in <clears throat> excuse me are in uh San Diego um playing against Manny Machado who still has the ire of Brewer fans that is for sure uh Yelich is still killing it uh and Mustaka is doing really well I think Yelich is up 25 home runs on the year uh, because I am a simpleton, I'm going to stick to the home run numbers. And Mustakas <laughs> somehow has 21, which is amazing. Nice. Um, and yeah, there's been some really funny uh, Brewers uh, All Star promotions. Yeah, apparently, if you vote and enter something, I don't know, you can win like uh, ice cream at some places in a Chick Fil A sandwich or something. So <laughs> I may nice. be voting for the All Star game to get some. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we'll is that see. the first ballot or the? I'm unclear. Re- I didn't look into it yet. Recalculated ballot. I know I've seen a lot of just. Uh, Brewers, <laughs> Brewers <laughs> voting rewards, which seems a little weird, but whatever. I'm going to go with it. If it results in me eating free things, I'll take it. Nice. Uh, other baseball things, I don't know. It's happening. It's yeah. It's only June, but it's still. It feels like there's a long way, a long way to go in baseball. Um, so we'll touch on things as they pop up, but uh, I don't think anything significant has popped up, at least on our radars. Um, let's take a little trip to campus, Marlon. All right, going on campus. All right, on campus. I guess the first news of the week, uh, I guess that on on my radar is the basketball team, Wisconsin basketball team, got uh, two big recruits in the Davis twins. Uh, got Jordan and Johnny Davis coming to campus. They are, uh, of course, Marlon from uh, the lacrosse area. Um, and will be. That's where all the talent comes from. In the class of the uh, uh, the 2020 class, excuse me. Um, so Johnny and Jordan, Johnny seems like he's the better recruit. He's a, a four star had offers from other D one schools. Um, while Jordan had offers from, uh, UW Milwaukee, UW Green Bay, but Wisconsin offered both of them. And I think that's why at least Johnny, uh, but obviously why both of them are coming to Wisconsin. Um, and, uh, I, it's a pretty big, a pretty big get, uh, it's an in-state get. And I know that's always important. Uh, this catapults Wisconsin in the top 10 of the uh, 2020 recruit rankings. Uh, I can't believe that I went in and looked up that up. And <laughs> uh, there's a lot more, um, obviously, uh, a lot more recruits to come that, that will flux. But uh, two pretty big recruits and, as I mentioned, two in-state recruits who are rumored to be at least considering going elsewhere. We had six, four guards coming in. Um Obviously, will they fit guard system? Probably. Will they both get playing time? 
uh, as freshmen? Probably not. But yeah. like you said, it is excited. It is uh, willing to see that we're able to put the preverbal fence around the borders um, and get these get these top recruits to come to come to Madison. Yeah. So let's we'll come twenty twenty. Um, we'll be in. I don't know what what's twenty twenty like episode. <laughs> I'm trying to think where we're on now. Plus sixty eight. Plus, plus fifty. Yeah. Uh, but fifty two. Uh, I don't know, hundred twenty something like that. Two yeah, see there. how they're doing. There we uh, go. One hundred thirty five might be little back two. of the napkin math. There we go. Uh, all right. In other uh, movement, I guess uh, on campus, uh, Wisconsin's uh, women's hockey team got a big transfer. They got uh, Daryl Watts transferring from um, BC to Wisconsin. Uh, a pretty big get, it sounds like. To be fair. I don't know much about Daryl Watts, but uh, it seemed like, at least the, the articles I read, Marla, that it was a pretty big get for uh, the defending national champions, Wisconsin Badgers. All right. Go Badgers. There we go. Uh, in uh, Quasi Campus, Ethan Happ, <laughs> perhaps a professional esports player now. He is joined Team Wombo. I'm going to say Wombo. Wombo Sports, uh, which is apparently. Uh, I'm not, I was going to explain what they were, but they haven't paid for that kind of privilege, Marlo. That's right. Um, but he will be he will be streaming. So if you are an Ethan Happ fan and want to see how his uh, footwork in the paint translates to such things as Call of Duty and Fortnite, check out his streams. He is uh, Ethan Happ twenty two, uh, which was apparently his number at Wisconsin. Just kidding. I probably knew that. Um, yeah. So He's- Ethan Happ getting in the esports game i guess yeah i don't cool man i mean good for you ethan is currently offline when's he gonna start streaming he had a couple um, streams i didn't tune in him i missed him oh uh, it's, do you know if he's any good actually at streaming or the game i don't know either the game at fortnite this is fortnite I don't know either yeah no i have no idea he's probably better than us tomorrow remember that one time we tried to play fortnite that was a disaster i gotta kill yeah i think i finished <laughs> in the top 10 because i couldn't figure out the like i just hid you know like it like yeah. a real hero, yeah. Um, so Ethan Hat probably better than us. Uh, I'd be interested to see what his, what his, what, it, what an Ethan Hap Fortnite stream would be like. I don't even, I can't even, I honestly can't even fathom what that would be like. <laughs> so it would be interesting to check out. Uh, so I'll be uh, checking the Twitch for that. I got, I give him a follow. So there you go. Um, you should too, fellow fans. Uh, at least until you figure out if it's any good or not. <laughs> All right, uh, I guess that's it on campus, Marlon. Anything that's else on, on campus? campus. No, break. no. Winter it's break, all I got. Summer break. Summer break. Yeah. Not much going on. The right. uh, the terrace is open. Uh, every every once in a while, the UW campus feed tweets out uh, pictures. Oh yeah, like, do it all the time. Gotta get back soon. Um, all right. All right. That's it for on campus. That is it for on campus. Now it is time for America's favorite segment, Casey's Corner Kick. Yeah, that was me just stalling so you would introduce the segment. So I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to. All right. Well, we are in the midst of the Women's World Cup. Uh, the United States has played two games now. Uh, their first game, uh, which was last week sometime, doesn't matter. Uh, we thrashed Thailand 13-0. to zero. And the story coming out of that is whether we were running up the score and should we, shouldn't we have, is it bad sportsmanship to run up the score? Um, 
I guess I'll give you my answer first. Uh, I don't really care if they rate up the score or not. <laughs> um, it's when speaking as somebody who got who's uh, old man league soccer team, not to compare myself to um, World Cup players, but we were significantly worse than our opponents last week, and they just were better and were able to score. Um, and to you can't expect professionals to not like what would what's the alternative to to not play up to their ability? What was is the alternative that they just pass the ball around amongst the defenders while Thailand sits back? Is that a better, more respectful way to play? Um, I I don't know. The thing that frustrated me, Marlo, was that it was covered from a would you be saying this if they weren't women standpoint, right. um, which I was a little bit frustrated with because I sure there are, there some people who are saying that because they're women perhaps, but the idea of running up the score being unsportsmanlike is not unique to women. We say this, I feel like every year we have a conversation about this in football and basketball. Uh, when somebody gets blown out, um, I mean, for goodness sakes, remember we just talked about a team that won the league like three times in a row got kicked out of a college. <laughs> what was that story? They got kicked out of the, the um, conference? Remember yeah. They were too good? Like, they were too good, yeah. We ha- in, in, in amateur sports, we have this conversation all the time, and I think we have this within uh, professional sports occasionally. It's not always with women. So I, I think that it was worth having that conversation but I was a little frustrated that it turned automatically turned into like you wouldn't be saying this if it was men because I think we would I think we would still have a similar conversation it might have been toned differently but that that frustrated me a little bit uh, but I don't have any problem with them scoring the goals it's Thailand's job to stop them and exactly. like in soccer it's hard to it you can't take your foot off the pedal in a respectful way like you just it it doesn't work as in like in football you can run out the clock you can you know in basketball you can take longer possessions in soccer the alternative is like literally playing keep away and that's almost even more more degrading uh so there's no easy answer it was a mismatch uh i thought what was more impressive um while there was you know you can talk about running up the score you can talk about the celebrations when they scored like i've never scored a goal in the world cup I've never scored five in a game. I think I would celebrate every one. Um, <laughs> I celebrate the ones I score uh, on pickup games on Saturdays. Like it's yeah. it's hard to score goals in soccer, especially at a professional level, especially in a World Cup. And to do that uh, as much as they did, I, I, I don't take any away from from uh, from the celebrating there. Uh, and I lost my train of thought thinking of me celebrating in in <laughs> in the world. In the world, what's Cup. your go-to celebration? I do. I, I like doing a little bit of finger pointing, little uh, little, little finger guns gotcha. kind of thing uh, as I run back <laughs> to my <laughs> general defensive position that I got too far out of place on. And goal differential matters. That was my point. Crap. What I thought was missed in the conversation was the way that uh, the two teams reacted after the game. With you had a bunch of the U.S. players led by. Uh, Alex Morgan going up and kind of having conversations, and I don't want to say consoling because I don't think it was consoling, but like, but uh, the sportsmanship that was done after the game and the conversations that were done after the game that showed uh, more of the sportsmanship of the U.S. team, and that was kind of lost in uh, the coverage where they focus on the goals and the celebrations. I think that there was kind of an underlying sportsmanship and respect between the two teams that you saw in those conversations, 
and in that after the game uh, reaction and conversations than um, what happened during during the game. So I, I think we when we focus on the scoreline or the, the media focus on the scoreline, they miss that part of it. And I think that kind of would have painted a different picture as far as uh, how the, the U.S. team uh, respected or, as the narrative was, disrespected uh, whether or not they, they did the appropriate thing uh, towards the Thailand players. So I think that was uh, an important part I wanted to add on there. Yeah, my take is either way, if you don't like it, just stop them from scoring. Yeah, yeah. You, can, <laughs> and, you can do that. And 13 it's, goals is awesome. Watching well, 13 goals in a soccer game is pretty awesome. Yeah, and the, the way in which it happened, I mean, it was there was like six goals in like 10 minutes. It was crazy. It was just like yeah. a stampede of goals. Uh, which was which was something else. So um, yeah, that was that was the Thailand game. So after the the Thailand game, they went on to play uh, Chile, who uh, is a, a bit tougher of opponent, uh, but not quite up to what they'll see in the rest of the tournament. The Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Jesus, uh, the <laughs> U.S. Uh, women's national team went on to win three zero after the first goal, which was a Heck of a goal from uh, Carly Lo- Lloyd, a wonder strike, so to speak. Um, she did a little clap back celebration at all the people criticizing the Thailand result, did a little golf clap uh, to to the critics, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, and the U.S. women's national team plays Sweden on Thursday. Sweden's kind of been a thorn in the side of, uh, of the women's national team past couple of years so it'll be an interesting game not much is on the line as far as advancing uh they're going to advance they're through uh it's a there's a little bit with um who they'd be matched up with what bracket they'd be in in the knockout stages but you can't really think that way you just ha- you play to win the game as Hernandez would say um so if they win they would be matched up with a uh, in France's bracket, so they would play France, the host nation, in the quarterfinal. Um, so you have this kind of conversation where you're like, would it be better if they lost? No, you win. You go out and you play well, and you try to win the game, especially against a team that's kind of been your bugaboo team recently um, in in Sweden. Uh, what else to watch? Uh, I, I thought, when I wrote this down, I thought that this was a knockout game. The Women's World Cup looks at works a little bit differently the men's world cup that in the men's world cup it's always the top two teams uh who advance from a bracket and the top two are eliminated the women's world cup some third place teams go through so it's not a uh de facto elimination game uh for brazil i'm talking about uh, the italy brazil game which is tuesday uh afternoon um brazil needs a result if they lose i'm pretty sure they're eliminated i'd have to check the tape on that um and uh, I guess it depends on Australia. So Brazil and Australia are now tied for second place in the group. Uh, Brazil is playing Italy, who is first place in the group. And really has been, I'd say, the surprise of the tournament. Um, going into this group, they were expected to finish third behind Australia and Brazil. Those were the teams that people were talking about advancing uh, easily out of this group. Italy has been amazing this tournament. Uh, we'll see if they can continue against Brazil, but it, it's uh, a a game that has some stakes um, and possible elimination of a highly regarded Brazil team. While they might not be uh, a, a 
World Cup favorite. It would be a pretty big surprise if they were eliminated here at the group stage. So we have that to look forward to uh, today, if you're listening to this on, on Tuesday, or it already happened, if you're listening to it after that. So hopefully um, it was a good one. <laughs> it was a good one. Uh, and then the World Cup continues, Marlo. Um, and then we eagerly await the return of the um, Premier League and others going forward. All right. Is that it? I think that I think that is it for the day for the for the <laughs> week. All right. All right, perfect. Well, that's going to be it for myself. Um as always, thanks for listening. Be sure to give us a five-star review. Uh leave your comments. You can follow us at 132 Breeze on Twitter, myself at MarloJR, Casey at Prof Badger Fan. And yeah, Casey, got any last words? Well, as always, fellow fans, until next time, I hope that all your favorite teams win all the sports.